Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews. The mind can play a tremendous influence on your performance, whether it be golf or you name it. I don't care what it is. If you go in with the proper background, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you go in with the proper background and the proper mental state, the odds are you're going to come out successfully. Taking you beyond the ropes. I refuse to give up on life, even though it's been it's been bumpy. You get back up and do it. I know you can. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your friends to be the best person you can be. Unforgettable stories. Say Elaine for us. Yes. <laughs> Elaine, you're out on your patoot. Go spend a week in the Yakavongo Delta. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. It's always a unique opportunity and a great honor to speak with people that have accomplished great things. But when those great things are defined by being the best ever in very specific, profound categories, then it means something entirely different. I remember having a conversation with Arnold Palmer one time. We were talking about victories and we started to go down the path of major championships and as we were talking about that he politely and firmly stopped us in our discourse and said it should be discussed in context of wins I said I said I beg your pardon sir he said it should be discussed in context of wins he said a win any win is very difficult to come by And when you have people that have a great many victories, we tend to discount the effort individually it takes to accomplish each one because they get lost in this sea of accomplishment. He said we shouldn't do that. We should celebrate all victories regardless of their stature because none come easily. Kathy Whitworth has more professional victories than any human being alive. She won 88 times during her LPGA career. Her accomplishments are nothing short of stunning. She was, she was the LPGA Tour leading money winner in 65, 66, 67, 68, 70, 71, 72, 73. She was the LPGA Tour Player of the Year And ready for it, 66, 67, 68, 69, 71, 72, 73. She was a winner of the LPGA Ver Trophy for the scoring average in 65, 66, 67, 69, 70, 71, and 72. She was the AP Female Athlete of the Year on multiple occasions. In 1987, she was a recipient of the Patty Berg Award given to an LPGA Tour player who exemplifies diplomacy, sportsmanship, goodwill, and contributions to the game of golf. Twice she was a captain of the United States Solheim Cup team. In total, 98 professional wins, 88 of which, as I mentioned, on the LPGA, which of course is first all time. She won six major championships. Get this. She was a runner-up a staggering 95 additional times. Combined, 
Top two finishes 183 times. A member of the Hall of Fame, it is an absolute delight and honor to welcome to the program Kathy Whitworth. Kathy, how are you? Thank you for joining us. <laughs> well, I'm just fine, Maggie. Uh, that's, a, that's a really a nice story. I appreciate that all that. And, um, yeah, it's been a great run. I've, uh, uh, you know, you just – but, yeah, I, I agree with Arnold. I mean, in, in that regard, it's wins are wins, and they're, they're tough to come by. But um, I would qualify that by saying that I really enjoyed what I was doing. So it was uh, – that's, a, I think, a big plus. It was never – I have to. It was a want to, and uh, and I think probably the thing that stands out to me more than anything was the. And I didn't know that, but Ron, uh, uh, uh Cyrac, yeah, yeah, he uh, was doing an article on me, and and um, and he went back when I mean, he was looking at my record and everything, and he started counting the seconds, and so I didn't. I had no idea until he wrote the article and mentioned that, and. So I just thought, well, no, but who cares? You know, if you don't win, you just finish second. That's just, you know, but you never <laughs> think of it, uh, yeah. basically. And so, anyway, it's uh, that was a nice intro, but I and I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Well, it's an honor, as I mentioned, to have you on the program, Kathy Whitworth. So when you were on your run and <laughs> you were winning tournaments with the frequency that you were, did you always know? where you stood relative to the competition around you? Did you get, get kind of a feel for what was going on? Because as I understand it back in the day, it was hard to get definitive information, right? That's right. Yeah. No, not always uh, did you know, but you kind of you kind of had a feeling, uh, Matt, only because there were so few of us. You know, There really weren't that many players in those early years, and so uh, you kind of knew which ones... <laughs> were the ones that were you're going to have to pay attention to, but um, and it wasn't necessarily the player; it was just their score. Uh, I really, it was just who was who was playing the best. At, but yeah, it was difficult. Uh, but I always did want to know um, where I stood because uh, uh, sometimes I guess the only time I really didn't it didn't matter was if I were I maybe going into the last day and and not leading and and I was going to have to shoot lights out to 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 win, and if you have a good round going, it doesn't really matter what the other players are doing. You just play the best you can, and when you get in, let it uh, settle down and see who who finished with the lowest score. So there there were times when I it wasn't important to know, uh, but if I was leading or you know I I wanted to know who was coming up. I saw a quote from you, uh, Kathy, and you'll have to forgive me. I'm going to paraphrase it, and I may not get it exactly right, but I think I'll get the spirit of it close so we can discuss it, which was essentially that you have to learn how to win through losing. Is that close to the mark? Could you describe that for us? Well, yeah, because you're going to lose a lot more than you win. Um, and uh, But the thing that is is that that's how you learn about how to win, uh, about yourself, how you handle pressure and um uh you know what you did wrong and what you can do better and uh, recognize if those things start to crop up uh, you know how to handle it and stop it um and and really winning is just uh who has the lowest score uh and that's uh, so you just are focused on your own game you just uh, do the best you can and not worry about who is around you, or or uh, I hardly ever even knew who I was playing with, 
and um, uh, so, but that's a, a a discipline that you have to learn. I had to learn it. I mean, sometimes you just uh, your concentration. You know, they call it different things: concentration, focus. Uh, you know, in the moment kind of thing, and one shot at a time, which is is just so crucial because uh, you can't do anything. That's the only shot you really have any control over. Is the shot you're going to play, and so uh, to think of the whole before or the whole ahead, or you know, it's just a, a distraction actually, and that's when you make your mistakes. But each one uh, handles pressure differently. Uh, so, what might work for me might not work for somebody else. So it's uh, I you know I'm always hesitant about telling people to you know, but I, I do say you know. Uh, the one thing most great players have is that is that uh, will to win and wanting to win, um, but they're not. And if they don't win, uh, it's not because of lack of trying. And it's when you stop trying, and you know you get that. Uh, well, I missed that shot, so I can't win. Or you know you start to feel sorry for yourself, or you know things like that start to creep in, and and that just uh, is so non. Uh, fruitful you just uh, that kind of thinking is just uh, so you it's not uh, being afraid to lose uh, it's trying to win and if you do that's great if you don't you don't but you tried and somebody else just maybe played better than you and uh, there's nothing wrong with that so uh, and I so I never thought of you know well what if I don't win uh, if I don't win, you lose. <laughs> so it's just that simple. But it's the trying of, and that was the fun part was the trying. And I guess that's why I finished second, maybe more times than some, because I uh, <clears throat> uh, was always trying. And sometimes, truly, I didn't win. Somebody else lost. Uh, maybe they, you know, didn't play as well that last round, or or because I wasn't always in the lead, and so. Someone stumbled, and but I was fortunately playing well enough to be right there. And so, uh, but you just keep trying, and and that's what to me was all all about was why go out there if you weren't trying to to win. Uh, that was the motivation, and and uh, uh, I can't think of any other reason to go out there and practice and work, and you know that's just and I. I don't know if other players have other motivations or other goals, but that was the ultimate goal and uh, <clears throat> what I strive to do. This, The way you just described Kathy Whitworth dealing with pressure, that's what prompted this, this discussion. And I'm curious, from the perspective <laughs> of a person that has won more professional uh, tournaments than any other human being alive, the ability to deal with crushing pressure, is that part philosophy, determination, a learned experience, and is there an element of just a natural gift? What what combination of that gumbo was it for you? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that you can, uh, it's not a, I don't, I think it's not a, maybe the natural part, when you say a natural gift, I, the thing that pops into my mind is that I, I did, I really enjoyed uh, the competition. Um, I mean, you know, it's, you got to play against somebody and you, or something, and so uh, it was, 
that part just was, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know that. But you do have to learn. You have to learn to concentrate. You have to learn to control your emotions, and uh, so that part is not, I don't think, natural. That's just uh, recognizing because. Uh, there were times when you did get pretty nervous, and and uh, and I tell players to, I said when you feel that way, you got to breathe, and uh, that's one of the things I had to learn to do was take a deep breath, because hmm. you just get so the pressure sometimes just uh, you just it just caves in on you, and so you, uh, but you have to recognize that for what it is, and 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 then it's it's all really up to you how you deal with it and how you uh, handle it and. Um, and some people don't like that pressure. I mean, and that's okay. Uh, uh, but that's just what comes with trying to be a winner, I would think. And uh, uh, so, I, you know, young players and young people, they, they, you can hit the ball. I wasn't the greatest swinger in the world forever, for sure. But uh, when you watch the really good players around you, uh, you observe and you you learn from them and and I learned a lot from Mickey. I learned a lot from Betsy Rawls and Patty Berg. I had that great opportunity to play with all those great players and uh, and so I could learn from them and I couldn't I couldn't swing like Mickey, but I uh, but I could sure watch her uh, how she conducted herself around the the golf course and Betsy Rawls and Patty and those ladies and it um, and you learn you know well. Okay, I can, you know, I, maybe I can do better there. So you just begin. But I also have to, now, I have to credit Harvey. Uh, Harvey Pinuk, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was my main and only teacher, basically. And uh, I just can't tell you how <clears throat> how key that was. And, of course, I'd, I'd get into uh, swing problems, and, and I'd have... I'd have slumps. I had several slumps, and that's scary because you never know if you're going to play your way out of it, or your game is over, or your career is gone, or you know. So that's a that's a tough time period. But all players do it, and uh, uh, but I had Harvey to go back to as well, and he would um, uh, he'd get me back on track as far as hitting the ball, and and it, and I just can't tell you how important that is. I don't know. You hope players have someone like that uh, that they can go to, and uh, uh, I think of Jordan uh, Spieth that way, and Cameron McCormick. And then you you know you think of different players maybe that are that go to a lot of different teachers. Uh, I'm I'm sure that I don't know if that's good or bad, uh, but it but I but I I had confidence in Harvey, and I just knew whatever he told me, and of course consequently it did work. <laughs> he was he knew what to tell me. And was one of the best in the world, and so I was just so lucky and so fortunate to have him. So it's you know there's a lot of lot of things that go into winning or or playing well. And uh, a player, you know, I I could have had that same attitude, but if I didn't have a good swing or a swing that I knew how to play with, it wasn't going to matter. So Kathy you, know, you got to have all of that and. Um, uh, but just having that desire is one thing, and that's great. But then you got to have help, and I had a lot of it, and uh, and I'm just so lucky and so fortunate. I, I, so I can't I can't say I did it all on my own. I didn't, and uh, I had uh, I had help along the way. 
I'm curious about the the help that you're defining, Kathy Whitworth, specifically when you're talking about Harvey Penick and you said, you know, you'd go back to Harvey. But what what I'm curious about is, is those times when you went and I've I've got rabbit ears in the ear. You went back to Harvey without going back to him, either because time and place wouldn't allow you to do such whatever, whatever the circumstance was that barred you from actually being in his presence. Where did you go? emotionally where did you go from the thought process where did you go from the age-old philosophy that great teachers want to want their students to have the ability to self-correct what was it about harvey penick words or philosophy that resonated with you in those times of need well uh, i'm not sure i'm i'm following what you're trying to get to but uh yeah I, you didn't always have uh like of course today they have videos they got oh gosh all the stuff that they send to each other and that's great the communication is so so uh, uh wonderful now but um you might talk to him on the phone or uh he had little key things that uh and he he taught you uh if things started to go south what might you look for uh, to to kind of help yourself? And and I, a lot of times that did work. Um, uh, and so, uh, but then there were times when I just it just wasn't working, and I get myself into a real bad habit. And I remember one time going back to see him, and uh, and he said, "Please don't wait this long again <laughs> uh, to come back." Because I was trying to do it myself, and, and uh, most of the time I could because of what he he taught me before. But um, but he 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 just gave you a lot of knowledge about you know if the club comes this way, if that uh, the ball reacts this way, this happens, and so forth and so on, and and why they happen, <clears throat> so that you would know what to look for, or go back and check. Sometimes it's alignment. Sometimes it was club face. One time I got the club face open, didn't know it. But once I got the club face square, uh, and that's all. It, that's all it was. And wow. uh, so you know, you just knowing those things. But you—that's why you can't really teach yourself. Uh, you can take a lot of uh, videos and um, things, but uh, sometimes you just can't pick it up. Someone else has got to help you. And uh, so I would always go back to Harvey, and. Uh, he was just uh, marvelous. I mean, he was just a genius as far as I'm concerned. He knew what to tell you and not get caught up in a lot of mechanics or yeah. or uh, uh, too too technical. Uh, he he was a really a good, uh, he was a fundamentalist uh, pretty much. But he would tell you why things had to do. It was cause and, re- cause and result sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If you do this, this is what's going to result. And so you just... You know, by squaring up the blade, took care of all those other things. And that was just the one little thing that, that I had gotten to a habit of sitting with that club face open. And uh, so but just by getting it squared up. But I, I couldn't see that, and I'm sure other players or other people wouldn't have seen it, picked up on it, but that's that was Harvey. Fascinating. And, uh, <clears throat> so it was just little things like that that uh, I would fall back on and, you know, when you're on the golf course and uh, you just play with what you got until you get in, and then, then you work on it. You don't try to work on your swing when you're on the golf course. There's too much going on or you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And um, uh, so, you know, you learn you learn about yourself and learn what works and what doesn't. But And like I say, it doesn't always work for everybody. But 
that's what worked for me. Kathy Whitworth, when you started out, right, daughter of parents with a hardware store, you're, it, it, when someone looks at your resume and goes, you know, most professional wins of anybody that's ever played this game, 88 on the LPGA Tour, eclipsing Sam Snead even on the PGA Tour, they would look at it and go, well, she, she must have had these natural gifts and that she must have broke through early on. But the, the, the legend about Kathy Whitworth was that you came close to throwing the, the towel in and saying, I can't do this. It's not working for me. What happened, and how close did, did, did you come to that really taking place? Well, pretty close, because I was, um, you know, when you first go out, um, um, I, I had thought I wasn't doing really very well and uh, uh, was making a lot of mistakes, but this is how you, how you, when you go out, you just start learning a lot of things. But that's where I learned, um, but I did. I almost quit, and uh, wow. I, ta- I talked to mom and dad, and I said, "Well, you know, I just don't know if I'm good enough to make it." And they said, "Well, give yourself some time, and give yourself three years, and, uh, and if it doesn't work, then we'll do something else." And so that sort of took me uh, a lot of the pressure off as far as doing it right then. So um, that was a, a mental. Thing and and it wasn't too long after that conversation that I did go out and win my first check and I, I teased everybody. I said, "Well, and Jack, I've uh, told we were at a dinner together. I said, you and I made the same amount of money on our first check. It was thirty three dollars or something." I say, "I think you, wow. you beat me by a few cents." And uh, but anyway, it, that was pretty funny. I thought, but anyway, um, but by by. Deciding I didn't need to do it right away, it gave me time to learn and start to, you know, okay. Uh, and another lesson I learned from Betsy Rawls, um, I just was reading an article that she had done, and um, uh, she was talking about how she really had to work hard to shoot 80 when, you know, uh, work harder for 80 than she does for 70. Meaning that, you you know, you got to, when the wheels come off, you got to really, really bear down and uh, play harder and i was going the other direction uh in my thinking you know well gosh i you know i blew that or i didn't make that shot or had a bad round and so you just sort of in essence just give up and i thought oh man <laughs> i've been giving up and so from then on i made a, a commitment to myself that i would never quit and i uh, would never uh not not try and it wasn't long after that that uh, that again was uh, why I won my first check, and so, um, and I learned not to feel sorry for myself, and I learned not to not to quit, and it's just so simple, but it's so true. I mean, you know, if you quit, why would you try? So, uh, and I and I honestly can say I I never did. I never did quit. Never did not stop trying. So I think that's why a lot of times I I did finish up higher than I should have. Because the mental, but it was a discipline. You feel that feeling of coming in. Oh gosh, I blew it, or I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna not do well, and and you start to feel, and you let these negative thoughts get in your your head, and and um, it affects your game and your thought process. So, um, you just cut that out. You just say, nope, I'm gonna do that. No, you know, just keep plugging on, and. And it's, then it becomes just such a habit that you just don't even think about it anymore. 
So I try to give that to young players if I can. Yes. They don't, I didn't realize I was giving up. And so uh, it took that article from Betsy Rawls. If it had come from somebody else, I might have <laughs> might have not believed it. And another thing, another uh, another help, I should say. I had a really good round, uh, good year in, um, well, 62 was my breakout, you might say. And then 63, I won eight tournaments. And then in 64, I, I was playing all right, but I wasn't winning. I didn't win anything. And, and uh uh, I was getting pretty ticked. Anyway, I had another good friend, Hardy Louder- <coughs> Loudermilk, who's the one that sent me to Harvey. Anyway, I, we were having dinner with he and his wife <coughs> at the last my last tournament that I was going to play that year in San Antonio, and he, um, I was talking about my year and you know how, blah blah blah, and I was playing okay, but I just couldn't win. Blah blah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he loved me, and I knew he cared for me. And he said, well, it sounds to me like you got the big head. What? What? I know it. I tell you, it hurt my feelings so bad. <laughs> and I was just appalled that I, you know, but I went back to the hotel, and I thought about it, because I, I, I probably was just, I, I couldn't even say anything, probably. And um, and I thought about it and went out and played the next day and just practice and pro-am kind of deal and and uh, and sure enough you know if the ball didn't go where I you know I just thought you know don't you know who I am and blah 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 I'm not kidding you I am that was just one of the best thank God I had Hardy there because it showed just what can happen to you and I think about players today you can become instant star overnight with television and all it would be easy to to do that and uh uh but I fell into that, and boy, I mean to tell you, it was an eye opener. But I never, and I never did. I, I think that's one reason I was able to play maybe better in some ways because uh, I knew I wasn't as good as I thought I was, and so um, I really, I really have to give Hardy a lot of credit because I knew he wouldn't say that unless it was true. And sure enough, he was right. And I never went, took for granted winning again ever, and so. Uh, and I went out and won the, uh, the tournament that week. So it just shows you what a mental, uh, can, the mental thought process can do. But some, you, sometimes you're just not aware of it, and so you just hope you have people around you that uh, you trust and you believe when they tell you, and the hard truth comes out that uh, they're willing to go there and say, "Hey, you better straighten up." And so I did. But that's a, that's a, uh, I tell that story as often as I can because it, it, it happens and it happened to me. And so uh, I never went there again. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Kathy Whitworth is our guest, Hall of Fame member and the human being who has won more events than any other ever. In the history of the game, 88 times she won in the LPGA, obviously number one in the LPGA, but also number one anywhere in the world of golf. How much of it was a mental posture? Uh, Was it a conscious act on your part that you were able to remain competitive for so many decades? Have you thought about that? Well, uh, that's why I said when we first started was that I really did enjoy what I was doing. I just I I I enjoyed all parts of uh, tour life. I I enjoyed, of course, the golf and the competition and the travel and the meeting the 
different people, and you know, it just—it was just a great adventure to me. But uh, and of course, in those early years, it was uh, uh, incumbent on all of us because uh, there were so few of us that we all play. And people ask, you know, well, you think your record will ever be broken? And I said, well, it could. Uh, and the only reason it won't, or it might not, is that um, you have to play a lot of tournaments mm-hmm. to do that. And uh, I know, and I, I think back on, on Sam. Sam and I became good friends uh, the last few years of our career and life. And, and um, uh, But he played a lot. And uh, and back in those early days, everybody played a lot. And I, but I wanted to play. It wasn't a, like I said. It wasn't a. It wasn't a have to. It was a want to. And um, and I did. Uh, I did start taking more time off as I got uh, a little later in life. Uh, didn't play every week, but uh, and I think that prolonged my career. But um, but there for that period of time, uh, I played a lot of tournaments. So um, it it was. Something that I enjoyed doing, and um, I'm not saying that. And but the pressures today are probably a lot different, and maybe a lot harder uh, because of uh, all the uh, attention that they get, which is terrific in one way. But it's also uh, uh, it takes a lot of time to do those things and and um, uh, go the the commitments that you have to make and. Uh, appearances and things that are not related to <laughs> to your game, and we 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 weren't in that uh, position back in those early days. So, uh, in one instance, we had it pretty easy from that uh, from that get go. But uh, um, I don't know. That's just you know. I I just loved what I was doing. Kathy Whitworth is our our guest. Kathy, and I, I know this next question is is it's almost cliche for you because because I suspect every interview you've done over the decades has asked you this. But is there a shot that you sit back and reflect on where in whatever it is in whatever stature it it it, it holds in in your mind emotionally otherwise? Is there one that you go back to when you have moments of reflection? Yeah. Well, there are a couple, uh, but yeah, there. Well, one of them uh, was really when I was winning or trying to win uh, my my second tournament. The first tournament I won, and I, I say I won, that was a tournament that somebody else lost, and uh, and she's she was ticked about it too. But it was <laughs> Sandra Haney. She says, "Well, she three putted the last total, let Whitworth win her first tournament," and I thanked her for it. I said, "Well, thank you very much," and. Uh, <laughs> But the second tournament, uh, I knew I was, and that harkens back to uh, knowing where you stood, and 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 we, and I wasn't sure exactly where I was in the tournament. I knew I was close, and I, Mickey was behind me, and I knew it was had boiled down between she and I, and uh, uh, but I was playing pretty well. We were playing in Scottsdale at Paradise Valley, and. Um, I remember on the last hole, uh, I hit a nice drive, and uh, I had a, about a seven iron left, and the pin was tucked behind the trap on the left. And I didn't know what, like I said, the scores were basically, and if, I didn't know if I needed to birdie it or if I was just par. Or, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a chance to win here, and and this is a 
it, and it was a mental it was a mental decision to go ahead and go at it. And as it turned out, I, I hit a nice shot, but I was playing well enough to have that confidence that I could execute that shot. <clears throat> so I, uh, I and uh, uh, I tell the story, I and mean, I went back and look at the press release or press clippings to be sure, be sure I was telling the same story. And uh, but yeah, uh, but it was. And I uh, anyway, I knocked it up about 15 feet and made the putt for a birdie. Nice. As it turned out, I I didn't need that birdie, but. Uh, but I didn't know that, and I was willing. What I was, my point being, is that I was willing to go ahead and. You're talking about winning or losing it. Uh, I wasn't going to back down or back off, uh, you know, and bail or whatever they want to call it. But, uh, you know, this was a good chance for me to to win a tournament and uh, uh, and not just let somebody else lose. So, I felt really good about it, and that, that gave me a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, maybe I could could be a, a winner on the tour uh, and not depend on somebody else to stub their toe, so to speak. And so, and then there was a two-iron that I hit. It was just great. <laughs> <laughs> you have to know the circumstances under which that was. But it was, I can still see it today. And uh, hardly ever anybody carries a two-iron. But it was a... Uh, over the water and onto it was a par five. Uh, it's, it's a long story, but anyway, I, uh, but that seven iron was uh, key for me uh, personally, and and um, gave me uh, confidence that you know maybe I could could win a tournament on my own. Call a favor, not, Kathy. Not to be afraid of it, huh? Our guest, Kathy Whitworth, a member of, of the, the Hall of Fame, rightfully so, 88 professional wins in the LPGA, number one all time. Uh, Kathy, could you give us a, a little bit of a glimpse into, I mean, you, you turned professional in 1959, into mm-hmm. the early days of the LPGA and what it was like. I know you did 30, 40 exhibitions every year, traveling from mm-hmm. site to site by car. Could you could you tell us what it was like in the early days and how you guys mm-hmm. held it all together and built for the future? Well, I think it was, we were all doing what we wanted to do and, and um, uh, and of course, we and but the men were in the same boat at that time. Uh, uh, we all traveled by car. We all uh, uh, well, there weren't that many of us uh, basically, and and um, uh, but and uh, but we all were striving for the same thing, and that was to make the tour better and do what we had to do or could do uh, to. Uh, and we did a lot of personal appearances. We made a lot of. Uh, I know we made a lot of appearances at uh, Rotary clubs and Lions clubs and uh, different things. And, and and you do bring up that um, exhibition, yeah. When I signed with Wilson, uh, which was the uh, parent company of Walter Hagen, which is really who I who I represented for a long time. But uh, one of the things that you had to do was do a lot of clinics and exhibitions uh, on the off season. But that was just great. I mean, it, it, it turned out to be one of the. And Mickey made this comment, and I hadn't thought about it, but uh, I think that's one of the reasons I became a better player was because I we had to demonstrate uh, different shots and uh, club selection and why you change this or use this club as opposed to another. And and uh, I became a really good trap player. I have to say, I wasn't <laughs> really good o- uh, over too many players, but I I think I was a good trap player. And uh, 
Uh, but it was because of all those exhibitions we did. I mean, we weren't afraid to. Then when you got back on the tour and went and played in the tournament, if you had a, if the lie wasn't just, you know, terrible, you had a lot of opportunities or, or options. And so I think that's one of the reasons I was able to maybe play and finish second a lot of times was because there wasn't really any shop that I couldn't play and wasn't willing to play, but I knew I could execute it and I could make it happen. And it's not that other players can't do that, uh, and, I, and I know they do, and I know uh, a lot of the guys. And uh, but it's just a, a gives you more arsenal in your bag, so to speak. And so um, those clinics and exhibitions were key, uh, and you had to do it in front of people, <laughs> so you didn't want to make a fool of yourself. So you got used to doing that in front of uh, people to watch. So you got confident in what you were doing. And uh, but the but the early years, you know, it was a slow growth, and and we had some bumps and uh, things in the road. And uh, I was president for three times, and I served on the board almost every position at one time or another. But all of the girls did. We all tried to uh, do our part, and uh, uh, and it, you know, and you know, they said, well. Uh, and you never, but you never want to put a restraint on yourself and say, well, they say, well, we need to play for more money. Well, yeah, we always want to play for more money, and we want to play in better golf courses and everything. But you just have to keep uh, that in your your goal. But you don't, you don't, you don't say, okay, well, how much is a, is enough money? And you you can't put a limit on yourself. And I was always trying to tell them. I said, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like today. They're playing for a lot of money, a lot more than what we paid for, but isn't that great? You know, that's a fun thing to see how far they're... Uh, and, and to be a part of that. And I, But I will say this. I I wouldn't trade my early career for the, what they're doing now. I'm, it, it's exciting for them, and I'm happy for them. But uh, I'll tell you that those first few years were just terrific. And... I just wouldn't wouldn't trade that for the, anything. Kathy Whitworth, the next question I'm about to ask you, I think respectfully, in a lot of ways, is probably the most important thing that we can discuss. And, and what I mean by that is, there are you're reaching millions of people right now, and I know that everyone has a dream in their heart. Everyone has something that they want to accomplish in their life as well. And whatever the obstacles are, whether whether they are put there in their own mind or whether there's where there's bigger things before them, what words of inspiration would you have for everyone else in their pursuit of their heart's desire? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if they can find their passion and and their uh, what I mean, I, I and I do tell young players when I can if if, uh, if you. If you choose that, I mean, it's just do the best you can at what it is. And uh, uh, <laughs> I said, if you if you want to dig a ditch, just be sure it's the best ditch ever. Um, <laughs> but whatever it is that you uh, be sure that you really care for what you're doing, because I mean, um, I just I just knew at a young age what I wanted to do, and I was afforded that opportunity. And people are very generous uh, if they know that you're, and people were, they they, they uh, knew that I really loved what I was doing. I wanted to be 
good. I wanted to get better, and they and, they, and there were people that stepped in to kind of help uh, smooth that path. And um, so, uh, just never lose sight of of uh, you know what you what you really makes you happy and what you really enjoy doing. And and some people, I ask young player, college kids, I said, well, what do you what are you going to do? And they said, well, I don't know yet. And I think, oh, gosh, that's a tough deal to be in. And Because um, uh, I, I knew right away. So I really I don't have any great secret to, to tell young players. Is this that? Uh, but be sure you do it for yourself. Don't do it for somebody else or something else other than yourself. And... Uh, uh, and don't do it for your parents, and don't do it for you know. Uh, they're going to help you, and it's good that you thank them for their help and everything. But you got to. Uh, and another thing, I guess, too, was helped me a lot too. Is you got to be honest with yourself, and um, uh, and own your, your your mistakes and own your success. I mean, it's okay to pat yourself on the back if you do well, and. Um, but you need to be honest too, and say, "Well, hey, I screwed up pretty bad here," and um, uh, but you just go on and try to correct that. But the beauty part about making a mistake is, if you admit it and recognize it, then you can change it. Uh, if you never admit it, though, you never change it, and so you make the same mistakes over and over. But I, I really don't know, uh, Matt, what to tell a young player is that, you know, they say, and, and it's true, <laughs> try to find what you what you really love to do. Uh, and it doesn't matter what it is, if it's golf or, uh, I mean, there's so much out there for women today in sports. Uh, gosh, I, I just love what they're doing with the basketball and uh, softball and soccer. And uh, they've just got so many good opportunities to uh, you know, show their or have their desires in, in sports, and so it's it's a great thing. And uh, of course, I was really happy I got to play golf. But uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be golf; it can be anything. But whatever it is that you do, be sure you do it for yourself, and and this is something that you want to do, and then you're more apt to uh, uh, accept some of the. Uh, hard times that you're going to be going through uh, and say, well, and I have to say this too, um, probably taking a lot of your time, Matt. I was injury-free. I didn't have any injuries. Uh, uh, I don't know if that was just good genes. I think I owe a lot of that to Harvey uh, with the way he taught me. And um, But uh, uh, I didn't have any health problems. And so that was another reason I was the longevity, I think. But um, uh, if I hate to see a player of any kind or anybody that has to be uh, something taken away from them by injury or something that they didn't have any control over, and so uh, uh, a sickness or something, and and, uh, that is, and that's why I'm so happy about. I mean, think what you will about Tiger and. But it's it's good to see him come back. You hate to see a, a player of that magnitude uh, go out uh, with injury. And, and and like Jack and I, and Sam and some of us, you know, we 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 didn't have we didn't have we 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 quit because we 
just got too old. <laughs> and we couldn't play to that level anymore. So it was our decision, in, in other words. And so uh, I'm thankful for that. I really am. <clears throat> but it was because, I, I, for whatever reason, I was uh, in pretty good health and uh, I didn't have any injuries. And, and that's another big plus. Kathy Whitworth, you were just alluding to the amount of our time that that you were taking. It's quite the opposite. We can assure that it is absolutely amazing the amount of time that you have afforded us now, the wisdom that you have imparted to so many. I'm sure the inspiration that you have always been, but acutely today when people are able to hear your words for the first time and get a chance to speak to someone of your legendary status, more wins on the LPGA, more wins than anybody on the PGA Tour, for that matter, as well with 88 during your long and distinguished career that has forever enshrined you into the Hall of Fame. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for the time that you take to impart these ideas, these emotions, these memories, this wisdom to other people. We really appreciate having this opportunity to catch up with you. Well, thank you, Matt. It's been fun talking to you. And, of course, it's always fun to to talk about things that you care about. <laughs> and I really did. I, it was it was just great fun. Your passion so, is absolutely incredible. Yeah. It, and uh, I'm so thankful that I had this opportunity. So, and I appreciate your calling and appreciate uh, your show. It's great. Wow. I, I don't even know what else to say other than, Wow. I do want to remind everybody, as you could tell, I put off all of our, our sponsors' reads until the end here, so I am going to ask you quickly to, to please remember com. Log on there and see the new Icon Forged Blade irons. They are absolutely beautiful. See the PTX Pro irons, a new driver, their wedges, their putters, all of it you can find on there, and you'll see why their direct relationship as a micro-manufacturer with you is a special one indeed. French Lick Resort, it is so good that we're bringing listeners there. That's the highest accolade I think the Fairways of Life show can give a destination to say, this is so cool and so much fun. We want to come there with our own family, and that is all of you. Fairwaysoflife.com slash French Lick for more details on that. Tour Edge Golf, they are special. Uh, one, you know, if you're, if you're going to stand out from the crowd, how do you do it? You do things like, oh, a lifetime warranty? Think about that for a second. A life time warranty the best in the world are playing their products not merely because they're ambassadors you've got people that are not part of their paid and in, in, in ambassador staff you got people that are playing them because they're the best touredge.com for you to find clubs with all of the latest technology without having to refinance your your mortgage in order to afford to buy the product as well bridgestone golf their new reactive urethane cover has reinvented the golf ball no longer do you have to choose between spin or distance you can have them both in one ball just log on to bridgestonegolf.com and check it out and finally uh, not least though ireland.com i am so proud to represent ireland.com and i do it with all of my bias inherent and it's with good reason it is the best links golf in the world let's start planning on this today let's go let's take a couple trips there when when all this stuff blows over why not ireland.com to get you up to speed folks thank you so much for your company please have a good day be safe out there take care of each other we'll see you again tomorrow Tour Edge continues their meteoric rise in 2020. Over 90 different tour pros have put Tour Edge into their bag, including staffers Scott McCarron, Tom Lehman, Tim Petrovic, and Duffy Waldorf. 
Torridge makes clubs for every player type, and they set themselves apart with their unprecedented 48-hour delivery on custom-fit orders and by offering a lifetime warranty and by building their clubs in the good old U.S. of A. Visit TourEdge.com to learn more about their new clubs for 2020. TourEdge, pound for pound, nothing comes close. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone. From kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old world elegance. Visit our luxurious spa. Indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. It's no secret that FootJoy Flex has been one of the best-selling shoes in the game for the last few years. You can literally wear these things anywhere. Well, they now have a version that's completely redesigned and fully waterproof. It's called the Flex XP. You can wear these to and from work, hit a bucket of balls at the range, play 18 of them, wear them into the clubhouse, or out to dinner. Many have tried this type of versatile shoe in the past, but leave it to FootJoy to elevate the category. Now you can start flexing with the all-new Flex XP. Learn more about Flex XP at FootJoy. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, La Hinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles, and they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com Take your game to the max this spring with the all-new Tour X Golf Shoe from FootJoy. Fully loaded inside and out, Tour X delivers max stability, max control, and max comfort. So you can launch it past your buddies. The Tour X wraps your foot in coziness with an ortho light impressions fit bed and a foam collar around the heel, ensuring max in-shoe comfort and support. Tour proven by players like Kevin Kister and Rafael Cabrera-Bayo. Experience max performance for yourself with the all-new Tour X. Shop now at FootJoy.com. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. 
BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. It screams, it tracks, it's soft, it reacts, it is the all-new Tour B, with a game-changing reactive cover, designed to spring faster off your driver, and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B, the Tour Ball, reinvented. It's time for you to discover Streamsong, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Core, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. 